Make sure you're subscribed to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. Type The Word of the Lord Endures Forever in your podcast provider. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a five-star review. This will make it easier for other podcast listeners to find The Word of the Lord Endures Forever. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. Fascinating that Gamaliel refers to this plan. His conviction is that the plans and plottings of men are doomed to extinction by death. This is what the psalmist confesses. Psalm 146, verse 4. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. But while his death instantly derails the plans of man, God's plans endure. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the book of Acts. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. I'm sure you remember how last time the apostles had just been politely escorted back to the council after having been set free from jail the night prior by an angel. And as they stood before the council, the high priest lets into them. We told you to no more speak in this name, and yet look at what you've done. You've filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and what's more, you're intending to bring this man's blood on us, as in the very ones who were, of course, responsible for Jesus being handed over to the cross. Now, recall, Peter really did want to bring Jesus' blood upon them, but in a saving way. Peter answers the high priest with the short but sweet We must obey God rather than men, a word that has comforted and strengthened the holy martyrs and confessors across many centuries. Peter then proceeded to reiterate, The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree, thus evoking Deuteronomy and the lingo of how anyone hanged on a tree is cursed by God. But this one who truly bore the curse of God also was raised from the dead and exalted to the Father's right hand as leader and savior. That is, just like that ancient Israelite mist that God was sending Moses to be their prince and leader and to rescue them from their slavery in Egypt. So these Jewish leaders had totally missed what God was up to in sending them his son. But Jesus is not vengeful upon being raised from the dead. He did what he did in order to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of their sins. The apostles announced that they themselves are witnesses to all this along with the Holy Spirit. At which point, the council is seeing red and ready to just kill these men. A reading from Acts, the fifth chapter, beginning at the 34th verse. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. 
he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Acts 5, verses 27 to 33. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you've given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So are you ready to ponder today's passage? Let's dig into it. Verse 34. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. First thing to note, the high priest is of the rather secular party of the Sadducees, who of course denied resurrection, angel, spirit, and so on. But recall that Jesus in the points at which the Pharisees part company with the Sadducees, he always sides with the Pharisees, and thus so do Jesus' apostles. Now, even though not of the Sadducee party, this man who speaks up, Gamaliel, is indeed held in high esteem by everyone. When he speaks, people listen. He's a rabbi of the school of Hillel. The great Hillel was actually his grandfather. That school tended to be slightly more relaxed in the way it taught than the strict observances enjoined under the school of Shammai. As we'll hear later in this very book, St. Paul was among those who had studied Torah under this very man, who now orders the apostles removed and then takes the floor. You can see that in Acts 22, verse 3. Verse 35, And he said to them, Men of Israel, Take care what you are about to do with these men. Don't forget that it sounds like from verse 33, as though the majority of the council is already ready to have them executed. Maybe Gamaliel is reflecting on how that didn't work so well when they sought to be rid of Jesus of Nazareth. He urges caution to them, bringing up some historical incidents. Verse 36. For before these days, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. Curiously, the Jewish historian Josephus mentions both this rebellion under Thutis, which he says happens while Betus is governor in Palestine, thus A.D. 44 to 46, and the one we're about to read about next. But 
As Luke writes in Acts, Gamaliel is speaking these words about A.D. 36. So we have to assume that Josephus' dating was off here. The famous Jewish historian is actually quite frequently inaccurate. Gamaliel's point is Thutis pretended to be a somebody, but subsequent events showed that after his death, he actually was a nobody. His followers ended up scattering, and the whole movement came to absolutely nothing. Then he brings up yet another instance, verse 37. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Josephus, again, does relate a similar incident that happened to the sons of Judas the Galilean, but he says that happened not before, but after the Thutis incident. Once more, we have to assume Josephus's dates are off or that there was an earlier rebellion that he didn't write about. But Gamaliel's point remains the exact same. All these messianic movements, they fizzle and die out with the death of the man who started them. Verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Verse 39. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Fascinating that Gamaliel refers to this plan. His conviction is that the plans and plottings of men are doomed to extinction by death. This is what the psalmist confesses, Psalm 146, verse 4. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. But while his death instantly derails the plans of man, God's plans endure. And Gamaliel even drops the idea on them that if God's behind all this, they're going to absolutely fail in their attempt to stop it, and they might just find themselves opposing God himself. Verse 39 continued, So they took his advice, verse 40, And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They're still murderous and don't think they can let the men go without inflicting some pain on them. These are probably the 39 stripes, which St. Paul would later mention in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. Since the law permitted 40 stripes in Deuteronomy 25, verse 3, they were scrupulous to avoid breaking that commandment by losing track, so they stopped one beating short. The apostles are sternly ordered after the beating to speak no further in the name of Jesus but they are finally released. And then we're told, verse 41, Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Perhaps they were singing to themselves the Beatitudes as they left. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Or as James would later write, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So they counted it an honor indeed to suffer in their bodies for the sake of the holy name of Jesus and for the witness which they had borne to the truth of his resurrection. Verse 42, 
And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. We have trouble hearing that as the Jews would. The apostles' nonstop message was this. Children of Abraham, you can stop waiting for your promised Messiah. He's already come. Jesus is the one all the prophets foretold, and he showed it by the miracles he did, by the way he offered his life up as a sacrifice for the world, and by the way his father raised him from the dead, exalted him, and throned him at his right hand, from whence he continues to do all these miracles still. Yes, right to this minute, through our very hands, as you all have seen, your Messiah really is Jesus. Right there, we'll take our break for today. Next up, you might remember how the story of Ananias and Sapphira warned us off against romanticizing the early church and picturing her life in these early days as in some way free of sin. Nope, they were still a bunch of sinners, forgiven sinners to be sure, sinners who fought by the Spirit's power against their sin. But things were not entirely copacetic. So there was something not quite kosher in the way that the distribution of food was being administered. The Hebrew, that is the Aramaic-speaking widows, were being favored above those who spoke Greek natively, the Hellenists. The apostles gather the church to consider the problem and realize that this would be a distraction to their huge and vital work if they started worrying about tables. Their solution is for the church to choose seven men full of the Holy Spirit and divine wisdom whom they can entrust this task to while they continue to devote themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. The assembly loves the idea, and seven men are elected to serve in this new role, among them two that we'll hear a bit more about in Acts, Philip and Stephen. Although Luke doesn't call them deacons, this is probably what's being established here, an auxiliary office to the office of the holy ministry, an office to tend to important matters, but not the matters of prime importance. Till next time then, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.